I'm glad to be in church. Who feels good today? Amen. There's a lot of us that don't. A lot of us are sick. My nephew has strep. My wife and my daughter are both sick. My daughter had a fever of 102. I left the house this morning. So the sick is going around. One school last week closed for a day because so many students were sick. So um, pray for yourself. I saw, Tasha put a sign in the bathroom. <laughs> Wash your hands and pray because Jesus and germs are everywhere. How awesome is that? Amen. True words, never been spoken. It's good to be in church today. We're glad you're here. And we, we want to start, we, not, we, we don't just want to, we're going to start a new series today. And uh, I'm excited about it because it can be life-changing for us if we let it be life-changing for us. Whenever we hear God's word, something will happen, something will go out, something will be said from God's word. Because the scripture says God's word never goes out void. It never goes out and doesn't do a job. And if you let this series, it may seem a little bit benign to you. It's, it's February. And what's February known for? Valentine's Day. I used to protest Valentine's Day because it's simply a man-made holiday to create revenue. That's it. A, a, a dozen roses that you can buy for $40 costs you $75 for Valentine's Day. It's the truth. The price of candy goes up. Everything goes up for Valentine's Day. And I don't care what they say about sales, it's more expensive. And I used to protest Valentine's Day, but then I realized that we get so busy and we get so caught up in ourselves and what our life is doing that we many times don't take the opportunity to let somebody that we really care about and we really love, let them know that. So sometimes I don't protest Valentine's Day any longer because sometimes I need the reminder to let my wife know that she's pretty stinking awesome and I love her. So take a minute. You don't have to go out and spend $1,000 on a gift. You know, do something nice. Pick a flower on the side of the road. Grow a flower. Do something sweet for somebody you love. But in honor of the month of love, that's what I call it, in honor of the month of love, we're going to talk about relationships this month, and it's, we're, we're starting a series today called Friending. And it's going to be near and dear to our hearts, and it can change your life if you let it. It can and will change your life if you let it. Friend, everybody say friends. friends. This could be a very significant month for you. And here's why. If we get our friends right, the right friends set us up for success in every area that's important. Our friends can set us up for success in every area of life that matters. This is truth. And here's the other side of that. Conversely, if we get our friends wrong, if we get our friendships wrong, it can set us up for more pain and more trials and more struggles and more destruction than any of us want to talk about. Right? I've said this many times. Many, many, many times. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Show me the people you spend time with. Show me the people you spend time with, and I will show you the trajectory of your life. It's a very big deal. The wisest man in history had a lot. We're going to read a lot from, a lot from Proverbs today, and we're going to hear what he has to say about friendships and people that we let influence our lives. So uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. If you walk with wise people, if you hang with wise people, if you surround yourself with wise people, guess what you're going to be by default? Wise. 
But if you surround yourself with knuckleheads, who's ever been a knucklehead? <laughs> Some of y'all's hands went up really fast. Who's still a knucklehead? <laughs> I got more hands going up. If you surround yourself with knuckleheads all the time, guess what you're going to become? A knucklehead. Good people, good person. Knucklehead, knucklehead. That's just how it works. In other words, if you hang out with people that are better than you, now I don't mean better than a good person, better at what they do. If you hang out with people that are better than you, that are wiser than you, that are smarter than you are, if you're, if you're always the smartest person in the room, big mistake. You're just feeding your ego. And you shouldn't have to have diarrhea of the mouth to let people know how smart you are. Right? Who knows somebody like that? They just got to tell you how much they know and, and just get down to ridiculous in the weeds. This is not, it's no fun. If you hang out with people that are smarter than you, have better marriages than you, are better with money than you, are better leaders than you, you're going to become more like them and you're going to rise to their level. Why? Peer pressure is peer pressure whether you're trying to use it or not. Peer pressure is peer pressure whether you're trying to... Ex- Who's ever tried to use peer pressure on somebody? It's called manipulation. Who's ever done it? I had two brave, three brave souls. That's, I've, been, yeah, I've manipulated people before. Peer pressure is nothing but manipulation. Even if it's by default, even if it's unintentional, somebody can come into the room and they're so great. If Michael Jordan walks in the room, you want to shoot basketball. Well, maybe you won't because you're so bad and you don't want to see how bad you are. But, but being around people like that really inspire you. If you can play the guitar a little bit, and, and who's, a good, who's a good guitar player? Stephen Bilek. Who else? Eric Clapton. Somebody like that. If, if you can play a little bit, and man, they walk in the room, and they, and they start doing their thing on the guitar, you may not want to play in front of them, but it may inspire you to put more practice time in. It may inspire you to pick up the guitar more and do other things less. It, it will, by default, it will make you elevate who you are just because you see something great and you, you want to get to that level of greatness. So the people you surround yourself with matters. If you hang out with people that get in trouble, have bad relationships, have never grown up. Does anybody have somebody in your life that just can't get out of middle school humor? Or middle school drama? You, you know people like that. They, they, just, they never grow up. They're angry, disrespectful, broke-minded, negative talkers. They're going to eventually drag you down to their level. If you listen to this stuff long enough, if you're around somebody all the time that's making crude jokes, or let's just take crude jokes, or talking bad about somebody. If you're around that long enough and you hear it long enough, guess what you're eventually going to do? You will not intentionally harm anybody. You may not want to tell something, but somebody will say something and something will fly out of your mouth. And before you know it, you're like, who's had that moment? You're like, I just did that. I just said that. Why? Not because you're mean, not because you wanted to. It's by default what goes in will come out. And that will slip out, and and what you're surrounded by, you eventually will become. Again, show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Anytime I've gotten into any kind of trouble, or even a tight spot, it's because I'm with the wrong people. When I was a junior in high school, 
you know, the whole back of the bus, back of the room mentality. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Only the stupid, only the nerdy kids, only the teacher's pets, only the brown nosers sat in the front of the classroom. Like, the first three seats you didn't want to be around. That's just how it was. And for me, it was back in the 80s, so, you know, a whole different world back then. So I'm in, I'm in chemistry class. I'm a junior in high school, and i just sitting with the wrong people. And my chemistry teacher was a bit eccentric. And we had just been talking 10 minutes before in class about how he had the same pants on for all week. It was Friday. And he had worn the same pants all, all five days. This was the fifth day. So we're having a conversation about this. And like 20 more minutes pass. It's getting close to the end of, end of class period. And one of my friends says, hey, Scott, ask Mr. Cook when he's going to the dry cleaners or when he's going to do laundry. Caught me off guard. I, before I even realized what I was doing, loud, like from the back of the room, hey, Mr. Cook, when are you going to do laundry? <laughs> before I realized what I, I wouldn't normally have said something like that. But before I realized what I did, guess what? I said that in front of the whole class. So guess where Scott ended up before class was over? Downstairs. In my guidance counselor's office. Because back then teachers did stuff. They had the power to do stuff. Right? And they did stuff to me. (laughs) Show me your friends. And I will show you your future. Show me your influencers. And I will show you the product of your life. And what it's going to be influencers are very important in your life. Take a minute right now. This is going to take like 30 seconds. Take a minute right now, and I want you to make a list. If you have a pen and paper, do it on paper. If you have a phone, do it in your notes. Just do it where you can remember what it is. I want you to make a list of your five closest friends right now. Five. People you'd call at 2 o'clock in the morning. People that can walk in your house and open your fridge. Right, Ross? <laughs> exactly. Refrigerator rights. Five closest friends. People that you can call at 2 o'clock in the morning if you have a problem. People that you can be transparent with. People that you know, that you know and the people that know you. Your closest people. Your tribe. Your posse. Who's got them? Five. All right, some of y'all still writing stuff. Is it? Don't don't raise your hand. But is it hard for anybody to think of five? I, you didn't have to raise your hand. <laughs> I'm going to prove a point. Some people have them and, and some people don't. You want to hear something else really cool? Is you're the average of your five closest friends. You're not make, you may, may, not, may not make the most money. You may not make the least money. You'll probably fall in the middle somewhere. You may not be the stupidest, but you may not be the smartest. 
You may not do the dumbest things, but you probably do some dumb things. You, you may not have the best marriage, but you, you have a, a decent marriage. You're, you're going to be the average of, of your five closest friends. In almost, area, in almost every area of your life, you're going to fall in the middle somewhere of your pack, of your people, of your group. Politically, socially, financially, you become like those you run with. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. Are you hanging out with the right people for your God relationship? We say this, if you're, if, you're the, if you're the average of your friends, what is the average of your friends' God relationship? Understand, we are to be salt and light to the world and to influence the world, but you should be, your, your closest, tightest group should be people that, that share similar values. Let me say this, on the other end of that spectrum, all your friends shouldn't think exactly like you. You shouldn't always watch the most conservative talk show you could find or listen to the most conservative talk show host. You should listen to one conservative and then one that's crazy liberal and then one that's crazy conservative and one that's crazy. Why? Because they're both lying and fall somewhere in the middle. If all your friends look like you, you need different friends. If all your friends think like you, you need different friends. Why? You need different voices speaking into your life so you can... So you can influence and grow and elevate who you are. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're making a mistake. If everybody else has the same opinion as you, you're making a mistake. Why? Because you need to grow. Do you have the right people in your life to nurture your God relationship, to challenge you to grow? The Bible says iron sharpens iron. If you're a piece of iron and a bunch of copper, it's not going to work. Iron sharpens iron. Get with people who are going to challenge you. Are you hanging out with the right people for your marriage? If you've got people, if, if you're married and you've got people in your life that are, that are encouraging you to go out and party when your spouse isn't there, wrong people in your life. Because they're not putting the right things, they're not reinforcing the right things in your life. You want people that are, are, are putting the right values and the right principles and they're helping elevate you, not bring you down. Do you have the right people in your life for your family, for your finances? You need people that will challenge you to save money and not buy the latest, greatest thing and not, not max out every credit card you have and not go spend $100,000 for a car. Do you want a car that costs 80? Buy it two years used and get it for 50. It works. Be smart. Have people that will speak positive things in your life? Do you have people that are helping you in, in your business or your career? How about your physical goals? If you're trying to get in shape or lose weight and somebody's eating Twinkies all day long, what kind of influence is that? If you're trying to have a grilled chicken sandwich and somebody wants a Grand Mac, who's seen that thing? It's a Big Mac the size of a Whopper, except taller. If you're trying to lose weight and somebody's constantly having one of those every day, that's not a good influence. Put people in your life that are elevating you and helping you get better. Put positive influences in place. Show me your five closest friends and you'll eventually mirror theirs. Now, let's define friendship. Don't put this up yet. Proverbs 17, 17 of the FBV. Says a friend of someone you may or may not know well enough who accepts your friend request on Facebook. 
This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. That's Proverbs 17, 17, the Facebook version. FBV. Facebook has redefined how we view friendships. It just simply has. It has redesigned how we think about people. That's really not the version. Let's go to the real version. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend has you, period. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, a real friend has you. Because Scripture says a friend loves when? Not just when you're nice. Not just when you do the right thing. Not just when you have it all together. A friend loves at all times. Wouldn't it be awesome if you had a bunch of these? Wouldn't it be awesome if you had about ten of these people in your life? Where you, you make friends and then your kids are friends and their kids are friends and their kids are friends. And suddenly you're three, four, five generations deep and you're still friends. And the original friends are dead. That's, that would be a cool story. Like generational friendships. Because it's, all, it, it's, it's that way just because it always has been. But many people don't have one of these kind of friends. A friend that, love, that loves at all times. American Sociology published a review. The average American has only two close friends. 25% have none. Why? They listed top three reasons. Survey said, number one, increasing work hours. We're just busy. My wife and I were talking a few days ago, and, and she's like, do you remember when, back in the day when we were kids, that, that our parents played in sports leagues? Like, our, you know, our dad would have a softball game or mom would have this. And, and we would go with them. Like, my, like I, I went with my, my parents, didn't, but my brother did, so he's 12 years older than me. And I went to his games with him, and I would play on the playground, sit in stands and watch him, eat concession stand food, you know, hang on the side of the chain link fence, watch him play softball, that kind of stuff. And parents had leagues and things they did, and the kids tagged along and were occupied on the playground or whatever we could find to do. You know, the steel playground with pavement under it and that kind of stuff. <laughs> And that's just, we survived and we thrived and that's how we grew up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Running barefoot on pavement, it hurts. And now it's completely flipped the other way around. The parents have no life. Because the six-year-old is in three leagues. Isn't that true? Who can relate? My kid's been playing sports since he was five. I haven't played one sport since he was five. No lie. I've coached some, but I haven't played any sports since he was five years old. Why? Because it's been all about them. It's a complete paradigm shift. And, and one of the reasons they listed here was increasing work hours and busyness. We can't develop friendships because we're so busy taking care of the stuff and working and going to the grocery. And now, you know, now Walmart delivering groceries. Giant delivers groceries with Peapod. You can just go online, order your groceries, they come to your door. How cool is that? You don't get the benefit of people of Walmart, but <laughs> that's like going to the movies. <laughs> but we're so busy, and we, and we have our kids so busy that we don't have time to develop that's friendships. That's, that's reason number one. Number two is rising divorce rates. Number three is the explosion of social media. 
They actually list that as a, what? They list the explosion of social media as the reason why we don't have friends. When if you think about it, the premise of social media is friendship. That's the premise of it. But they list the reason why we don't have close friends because of social media. It's just another way to disconnect from society and to disconnect from even reality. Social media has redefined the meaning of the word friend. Before Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all, whatever you use, Twitter, nobody took a picture of their breakfast. (laughs) Nobody. When you came downstairs and somebody had fixed pancakes or waffles and fried eggs or biscuits and gravy, you didn't get your your, your corded phone. Who had the, the cord that stretched all the way across the kitchen? We did. I used to stretch the cord out and go down the basement stairs to call them. I'd, I'd dial on the, on the you know, it's push button by then. I dialed the number on the wall and stretched the cord down the stairs to talk to my girlfriend and close the door. So my parents couldn't hear. That was my portable phone. We got a long cord. But, but you didn't come down to breakfast and suddenly get your Rolodex out and call your 80 closest friends. I got breakfast. It's funny, but you didn't do it. You didn't call your 500 closest friends to tell them about your meal, your new shirt, or the person that cut you off in traffic. The rise of social media has given us the obsession with controlling perception. Mm-hmm. It's, giving us, it's given us an obsession with controlling perception about who we are and about our life. We want everybody to see the best of us, and our life suddenly has to rise to the level of and compete with everybody else's highlight reels. That's all social media is, is a highlight reel. You put out there what you want someone to see. Yes, social media is cool, and I use it every single day. But it has had drastically negative effects on society. We crave more Facebook friends, more followers, more likes, more favorites and stories, and it can leave us feeling alone. You can have a thousand Facebook friends and be lonely. I'm telling you the truth right now. You can have a thousand Facebook friends. You can have 2,000 followers on Twitter. And what I don't even know about Snapchat because I'm not there yet. I may not ever get there. But you can have all, the, all those platforms just filled up and following everybody and celebrities and everything and still be completely lonely. We post things on Facebook and whatever. I'm just, I'm just using Facebook because the average age is in here is above t- right now is, is probably above 25. And if you're over 30, use Facebook. If you're under 30, it's something else. That should make you feel weird, people over 30. The kids don't use Facebook anymore. That's old people stuff now. That's what I've been told. We post something and then we check, 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 check. Who liked it? Who liked it? Who liked it? Who liked it? Who loved it? Who's got a tear? Who's laughing really hard? (laughs) Am I lying? No, we do. And social media is cool. It can be fun. But it's changed the way that we, that we communicate. It's changed the way that we approach friendships. It's changed the definition of friendships. And we need, to, we need relationships. We need real, authentic, person-to-person relationships that are going to have a positive influence 
on our life. And in the first week of friending, let's rediscover what friend is. Let's rediscover what a friend is. A friend isn't someone that just likes your tweet or likes your post or says something nice about you on social media. A friend is somebody that loves at all times. A friend is somebody that has your back. A friend is somebody that lifts you up. A friend is somebody who encourages you. A friend is someone who will look out for you and who will make you elevate who you are. That's what a friend is. Commit to being present in someone's life. Commit to your friend, your, commit that your friends will be present in yours. Expect more of your friends. Expect more. Commit to developing a friendship this month, face to face, and not thumb to thumb. Commit to developing a friendship face to face and not thumb to thumb. I was watching somebody text the other day, and I'm like, how in the world do their thumbs move that fast? I'm like, doot, 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 doot. And they're just flying across the screen, sending out like, boom, 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 rapid fire like a machine gun. I'm, I'm waiting to see in the next 10 years how many thumb disorders we have. No, for real. Carpal tunnel followed the, the, the pr- production of the keyboard from typing on computers so much. There'll be something with thumbs. There will be. We'll see what it is. I saw... <laughs> Commit to being present. Get somebody face-to-face, not thumb-to-thumb. Jesus didn't say, read this book. He said, follow me. He didn't say, like my post. He said, follow me. Have a relationship with me. Watch what I do. Do what I do. Follow me and learn who I am. I saw a daycare post a sign at the entrance. It's actually in the news. On their door. It said, parents, get off your phone. In those words. At the entrance of a daycare, parents, get off your phone. The daycare did. Because they said they were having such a problem with parents walking in, talking, texting, tweeting. And their kids are so excited to see them after 10 hours away from mom and dad. And they're walking up, mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. Talking, Facebooking, tweeting, something where they can't even acknowledge that their kid is pulling on their clothes trying to talk to them. So daycare has made a rule now. Parents can't be on their phone when they come in. So they can actually pay attention to their kids. There's a paradigm shift here happening that now kids are complaining about their parents being on their phone more than the parents are complaining about the kids being on the phone. It's happening. What does your dinner table look like? What do your meals look like? When you're in a restaurant, if, you're, if you have a table for four, are there four cell phones out? Blah, 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 blah. Facebook, oh, here's my mail. Bam, it's posted. Every one of us, and not every one of us, anybody that uses social media is guilty of that, including me. So I'm not just saying this stuff. I'm living this stuff. And we get to a place where we even detach from our families. And it's not just about friendship, but we're becoming more and more distant because everybody has a device. Everybody has a phone, some kind of tablet or something where we have to increase our internet speed in our house so much that, that we have to be able to, ca- have to be capable of, of carrying four to eight devices at all times because they're constantly being used. How many, kid, how many times do your kids have to talk to you before they finally break through the wall of what you're doing on your phone? 
How many times do they have to say your name before you actually respond because you tone, you, you tune them out because you're tired of hearing mom, 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 or dad, 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 dad. Who's ever said, I'm going to change my name? More than four of us, I guarantee it. There's a song that says, don't blink. Yeah. Think about that. We have a window of time. We have a window of time, and it's precious, and we have to make sure we're maximizing. Friending isn't just for outside of the walls of our houses. Friending is for inside the walls of our homes. Make sure you're taken care of and you're responsible and vigilant over the time you have with your kids. Don't let social media and distractions and TV and whatever it is that we do, don't let that push them out and hurt your relationship with your family. Engage your family. Invest in them and put the stinking phone down. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What a cool passage. I'm going to give you a new spin on this. Let's get together and see what we can do to help someone. Let's get together and see what, what is a good deed. Isn't a good deed helping somebody? Let's get together. Let's get a project. Let's see what we can do to help somebody else. That's what this is saying. And then it went on to say, don't give up meeting together. How, how prophetic was this? My whole life this has been, you got to be at church on Sunday. Well, in my, in my youth, it was Sunday morning at 10, Sunday night at 6, Tuesday night at 7, Thursday night at 7, and some Saturdays. Yup. Some of y'all are just like, <laughs> but what about, what about, they didn't exist. We didn't have all that stuff then. We had work, school, church, and maybe a softball league or a bowling league, and that was it. That was what church was, and we used this scripture for making sure people came to church. And that's what it was about. And that's, that's still, it, it still is, is good right there. But let's, let's go a little bit deeper. We've always used it for church attendance and, and, and not staying out of church. But did the writer see 2017 when he was writing this? Did he see 2017? Let's take it a step further. Don't just get to church through podcasts. Listen, don't just get to church through podcasts or through online church. Or TV church. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together, King James. NIV says, don't give up meeting together. Why? You may hear something cool on TV church. You may see a cool message on a podcast or online sermons. But you're not going to get the connection of the family of God. You're not going to develop the relationships that you have when you come together and worship together and you do life together. So meet together. Do life together. Connect. Invest in somebody else. Don't isolate yourself because Scripture says no man is an island. Hmm. We impress people with our strengths. But we connect with people through our weakness. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weakness. True life change happens in the context of relationships. That's when real life change 
happens. That's when you have the courage to talk to somebody about something. That's when somebody can speak into your life and help you. And this is why small groups are so important. This is why small groups... You know what would be just a, a dream for me? Is for our small groups to be about three times what the attendance of our Sunday service is. Well, isn't, aren't small groups just for church people? No. The whole point of a small group is for you to have one and, and get people who don't come to church to your small group. And that's how massive kingdom growth happens. This is why we connect, because true life change happens in the context of relationships. James five sixteen says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and, and effective. King James says, the prayer, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It gets much done. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. It, it, this is, is vital. Who, who can you talk to that you trust enough, that you know enough, that knows you enough, that you can say, hey, I did this this week. I need help with this. I'm struggling in this area. Real life change happens through connections. You need somebody in your life that you can go to and say, hey, I'm stinking at this right now. I need help right here. I've done this three days this week. I need prayer. Help me. Call me, something. Connect with me. Make sure that, that I'm thinking in the right way. We do use technology, and we're going to continue. One of our goals this year is, is to broadcast our services live. And, and God willing and, and technology, if, if we learn it and get it, we're, we're going to be going on live this year at some point, broadcasting our entire church service. We're going to use that medium because go into the highways and hedges and compel. Whatever tool we can use, we're going to do it. Whatever we have to do, we're going to do it. And that's one medium we will use. I love technology. It's awesome. But it can't be who we are and it can't seclude us to the point that we're not connecting and having relationships that will make us better. We can't substitute that for connection. We can't substitute that for real life experience. Nothing can. We have to be present. We've talked about choosing the right friends. Let's end by asking this question. What kind of friend am I? John John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you. This is Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you simply love one one another this is the ultimate test of who you are love it crosses any barrier it crosses any border it helps us be a good friend it helps us be a good friend scripture says a good friend gives good advice to the friend speak the truth to your friends in love or if you have a relationship you can speak it in stupid too just make sure you have the kind of relationship you can do that kind of stuff like, hey, you moron, what are you thinking? You don't want to say it to somebody they have a surface relationship with because you won't have that relationship any longer. But you have some friends that you can say those kinds of things to. And if you have it, do it. Use it. However you communicate, however you interact, do that. Hold somebody accountable and let somebody hold you accountable. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, you don't have this, says wounds, listen to this, wounds from a sincere heart. That means somebody speaking to you something that you need to hear that loves you. Wounds from a sincere heart are better than kisses from an enemy. Mm. Your best friend telling you that you're being stupid 
is better than a casual acquaintance telling you that you've got it all together and you are the bomb. Why? Because your best friend wants you to be better. And they're looking out for you and they've got your back and they're trying to help you on this journey of life. And that other person is just in it for whatever and they're like, yeah, whatever, makes you happy. Yeah, that's cool. Is that what you want? Yeah, that's fine. And there's the biggest problem with society today. Different day, different topic. This means let your friends help you. Let your friends speak constructive, loving criticism in your life, and you do the same for somebody else. Return the favor. Nobody needs yes people around them all the time. Nobody. In Proverbs 22, Scripture tells us to choose our friends wisely. Do not make friends with, hot, with a hot-tempered person. Uh. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one so easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. You can take that anger thing right there and substitute whatever you want. That's, just, that's what Scripture says. Don't make friends with a gossipy person. Oh. Don't make friends with a gossipy person. Do not associate with one who talks about others. In a negative way. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared and become like them and participate in their gossip. Don't make friends with someone who has no self control. Don't make friends with someone who you fill the blank in. I don't need us to get, get stand up here and make a list. You fill that blank in. Don't make friends with someone who struggles with the same thing that you do. They can be your friend, but you need somebody who is, has a strength in that area too. Balance that out because you're the average, right? Choose wisely. What you're around and influenced by, you will become. Every friendship ends up somewhere, and few friendships end up somewhere on purpose. Friendships develop, and they are what they are, and they just meander down the road and end up somewhere. Very few friendships end up somewhere on purpose. Live life on purpose. Don't just see where it takes you. Take control of your relationships and who you allow to influence your life. Take control of your friendships and who you allow to speak into your life. And be deliberate in how you're influencing other people. Be a good friend. Proverbs 26 says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find Listen to these scriptures. You don't have any of these. So just let's. John thirteen thirty four says, "Love one another." Romans twelve ten says, "Be devoted to one another." Romans five seven five seven says, "Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you." Romans fifteen fourteen, instruct one another. Galatians five thirteen, serve one another in love. Ephesians four two, bear with one another in love. Ephesians four thirty two, forgive one another, just as Christ forgave you. That's a, that's a good tough one. Who wants Jesus to forgive everything you've ever done in your life? Yeah. You don't want Jesus saying, oh no, you've done this three times now. Three strikes and you're out. (laughs) That's a scary thought, right? Or you've done this 64 times. I'm all done with you now. No. We want him to forgive us every time we do something wrong. This scripture says, forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. That's a tall order. 
Don't hold unforgiveness in your heart. Don't hold somebody accountable unless you want to be held accountable. Because Scripture says if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Forgive one another just as Christ forgave you. And Romans 16, 16, we're not going to practice this one all the time. Greet each other with a holy kiss. No. I'm not going to kiss you, Jason. No. It's not going to happen. Greet each other with excitement. With it's great to see you. A pat on the back. A hug or something. You get the meaning, right? All about relationships, all about friendships, all about influencers and influences. And finally, we come to this, John 15. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends. This is Jesus. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Greater love hath no man than this, than what Jesus did for us. He gave his life for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And he calls us friends. Scripture calls God a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Once again, Jesus modeling something for us. 